Hey and welcome to 20 Minute Marketing. I hope things are going well. I'm really excited for today's episode and we've got a fresh and modern topic that we're going to be talking about, which is gamification in marketing and how that can benefit businesses. Um, just to give you a bit of a backstory, I visited a marketing expo around the middle of last year now, so it's been quite a while. I couldn't tell you the name of any company that exhibited there apart from one, which was Peek and Poke. And the reason being is that the product that they offered was so unique and stood out from everyone else. It, it really did leave a lasting impact when I left. Um, and as sort of the podcast has gone on, I thought, hey, they'd actually be really a really good guest to, on the show to talk about how gamification can work and, and how it can play a part in marketing. So I thought it'd be a great opportunity to reach out to them, find out more. And as a result, here we are today. So I'm with their marketing manager, Carrie Kirby, and she's kindly given up some time to chat about gamification on the episode. So we'll get started and introduce her right away. So hi, Carrie, how are you today? I'm good, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Not a problem. Um, could you spend uh, one or two minutes introducing yourself and Peek and Poke? Yeah, of course. So um, like you said, I am Carrie and I am the marketing manager here at Peek and Poke. Peek and Poke actually make games for brands. Um, so we make white label games that we spend a lot of time and effort into developing the base game and then brands can come to us and add a level of branding over the top, whether that be a logo or adding their own characters in or the environment in. Yes, that's essentially what we do. Sounds good. And um, we'll, I know I have quite a, a lot of questions that I'm excited to ask you about. If anyone wants to check out those games that we're talking about, then you can do so. It's just peakandpoke.com. I would probably warn you to do it outside of work or when you've got a spare 15 minutes because <laughs> you might find yourself on there for, for some time. They're quite addictive. Yes. <laughs> I made that mistake after meeting you guys of going on your site a few days after and I was like, I probably shouldn't be on here this long. <laughs> That's what they're there for. They're great for engagement. <laughs> Stay tuned for our main chat coming in a few seconds. So yeah, let's get started and talk about gamification. There's going to be quite a few questions, so some will be quick fire and others I'm sure Carrie will go into detail about a bit more. Um, I think we're going to break this section down into three parts. So we're going to be talking about what gamification is and, and how it can help businesses. Uh, how can business promote their games in order to make it a success and things like um, competitions and what to include in the game and, and things like that. And then finally, we're going to talk about how Peek and Poke has this great product that is really fresh and exciting. So how, as a business, do they communicate that um, amongst other marketing channels and sort of how does it fit in? So we're just going to start off with a, sort of a generic question, and that is what is gamification and, and how can it help businesses? Okay, so I think it's probably worth making a bit of a distinction between what gamification is and what branded games are, because um, there's two slightly different things and depending on what your objectives are you'd want you'd want one or the other really so gamification in terms of its definition is using game mechanics that you you see in normal games like leaderboards and you know progress bars and getting badges and getting rewards and unlocking achievements and putting them in a non-gaming context so 
for ways to change your behaviour. Um, things like learning apps do it brilliantly. And you will have seen it on things like LinkedIn as well. So when you're creating your profile on LinkedIn, there's a progress bar so you can see how far that you've got left. That is actually a gamification mechanic. Duolingo is another one which is great at um, applying gamification tactics. It's basically a learning language app. Um, and you can choose whichever language you want to learn, but they've got great little bits of gamification that keep that keep you motivated to come back and do it. There's leaderboards, there's little um, rubies and sapphires and things that you unlock as you go through. Um, so it's a great way to, to motivate you to, to, to change your behaviour or to, to do something different. Um, whereas branded games is 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 a is a stream of that if you like. So branded games are great if you want to inject a little bit of fun into your marketing, if you want to increase engagement with your audience. Um, so that's the two different facets if you like. And has branded gaming been around for a while, or is that fairly new? Uh, for a really long time, actually. Yeah. I don't know if you, I don't know how old you are, but <laughs> I'm going to give myself away a little bit now. Um, I used to remember getting uh, Cocoa Pops with CD-ROMs on them and used to put them in, they used to have like little mini games and yeah, stuff. So, yeah. around, there we go. So, brands have been doing it for a really long time, ever since, you know, mainstream gaming came into, in, into play, really. So, definitely in the 80s. And gamification slightly... Um, uh, slightly later on, so things like Foursquare were one of the kind of pioneers of using gamification in apps and that kind of stuff, and that was in the early 2000s. So yeah, it's been around for a really long time, and people love to play games, so you know that's why um, it, it does so well. Yeah, what are sort of the the business benefits for you? Maybe you not not you businesses that are size of Coca Pops or Kellogg's, yes. and like you, your actual business benefits for. <laughs> a B2B company or a retailer that's quite small or something like that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, we have a lot of clients that range across the board. So we do games for companies who are in the B2B space, B2C space, and there's there's a varying amount of benefits and it just depends on what your objectives are. So games are brilliant for increasing engagement. So say you have um, a new product um, and that you want people to engage with it or you want to raise awareness of it, having a little game attached to a marketing campaign around that product whereby people can play the game and then they maybe win a product or a free consultation or something as part of playing the game. That's it. It can be a real good way rather than just going straight in with a sales pitch to kind of get people engaged with your brand first and then you know after that it's the time to kind of talk about your messaging and, and, and your product as well. So there, there clearly are some great benefits. Uh, how do companies know when they're ready for a branded game? Is there, is there an answer to that? <laughs> well we've always said Games are not a, a marketing magic bullet. Like any any strand yeah. of marketing by itself, it's not going to bring the hordes to your website or to your exhibition stand, for example. Um, it's it's a it's a tactic. It's another tactic. So, if you haven't got a website and you haven't got the basics right, a game probably isn't the right thing for you. So yeah, we always make sure that 
you know, people who come to us, they, they, they know what their objectives are. They have a place, they have a plan in place to kind of promote the game in the best way as well, because with all the will in the world, you'll create yourself a game, but you've got to tell people about it. Yeah. It's not just going to, you know, sit there and magically lots of people will be playing it. Yeah, of course. And then just to sort of finish off this main section, which is sort of the, the generalisation questions of games and branded gaming, um, do you have any statistics or success stories to share of, of people that have used it and it's, it's had a positive impact? Yeah, of course. Um, uh, one of our favourite success stories is, is DFDS, who is one of our clients. Um, and they used to do just one game a year. They used to just do a Christmas game. Um, but then it worked so well for them that actually their audience were asking them when the next game was coming out. <laughs> so um, they started doing more and more um, and we had a great success with a um, game called Jack's European Tour. So they have like a little mascot who's a parrot and one of our engines is, one of our games is a, is a flying game. So it worked perfectly to kind of change the main character for their Jack who would fly across the sky. We changed the background so that it would be the destinations of the ferries, of, of all the destinations where the ferries go. And in, in game, there was things that you could pick up to unlock a special offer that would take you to, so after you'd finished playing the game, you could go onto a landing page on the website, which was specifically just for people who played the game. And they had special offers on discounted tickets, ferry tickets. And that generated a company record ROI for them. Um, it was hugely successful, a 40% click-through rate just to that landing page. Yeah, that gets people talking as yeah, well, like telling your friends and definitely. family members. or putting it on, on social channels so then people can share it and yeah definitely it's one of those things that has a tendency to get people to talk about it and share it because it's fun you know yep. it's not just your standard marketing material it's yep. something that's a little bit and then engaging. yeah like a bit like what happened with myself once you get playing it that first time you, you want to play it again or you want to yeah, be score and, and, and carry on with that game in particular we were um, exhibiting at a show in Manchester a couple of years ago and there was another agency just a little bit further down and they came to see what we were doing because we have an arcade cam and stuff which always kind of tends to draw the crowds. And one of the guys came over and he was like, oh, you did the DFDS game. I played that and then I bought a ticket for me and my wife to go to Amsterdam. And I was like, that is the holy grail. <laughs> that is definitely yeah. what we want to hear. So that was a really nice story. So we're just going to move on to, to actually the tactics of launching a game now and how to plan it and how to market it. So let's say a company has decided that they're going to launch a new campaign that features a game on their website. Um, how far in advance do they need to plan? <laughs> yes, the inevitable question. Um, game development, um, it always takes a long time. Well, we used to make bespoke games and you know the lead times in, in that respect used to be months and months and months, six months to a year maybe, which is why now that we have these engines that are ready to go it brings that kind of development time right down because you're investing in just adding the branding rather than into the development of the game there are lots of different scenarios so if you simply wanted to add a logo and change some copy run your own competition that can be turned around very quickly you know we're talking a couple of weeks but if you wanted to maybe 
add some new functionality or if you wanted to really make it your own with your own characters, your own kind of environments to match your campaign, well then you might be looking at maybe three months at that point. So the longer you can plan in advance, of course, as with everything, the better. Um, but there are options that, um, you know, when things get dropped on your desk, which they do happen and we're very aware of that. <laughs> Say a company's like, okay, we want to launch. There's a wide selection of games that you have to choose from, so how do they know which ones offer which benefits? Um, do they offer certain things or do they send a unique message based on the game? Yeah, that's a good question because there's lots, lot, we have lots of different games and the, the, the games do different things. So I guess it depends on what your objectives are. So if, for example, you are going to an exhibition or a trade show, you want something that is quite quick to play because you want to keep that traffic going. Or if you, for example, you've got something for a specific campaign like at Euros or something, you want something that reflects that type of um, type of game. So it, de it just depends on what your objectives are. So what we always try and say to our clients is, what do you want to use it for? Who your audience are? Because that's another thing as well. You know, if if your audience are um, maybe you're a, a computer software company or a cloud company, or you know maybe your audience like logical thinking in some yeah, way. So more maybe like the retro Pac-Man yeah, game. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's understanding what your audience will go for, um, and that's the benefits of having something that is is more off the shelf rather than building something that's bespoke because actually then you can try a few different things and see what works best as well. Absolutely, yeah. Is it better to attach a game to an event or can you just throw a game out because you feel like it? Well, yeah, totally. You can do if you want to. I think if you haven't done a game before, if you're new to, 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 to doing games and your marketing, it's, it's a nice way to test it if you have got something that's event-based because then the game already is in line with what you're talking about so Christmas is one of our busiest times um, and because you know a Christmas game is a Christmas theme it already has a Santa in it so you know you don't have to invest a lot in making it your own um, and it kind of falls in line with what people are already expecting so um, it is a great way to just test it out without having to spend a lot of time making it your own and matching your own campaign. Yeah, sounds good. I'm just going to move on to game placement now. Mm. So where should games be placed and where do they get the most success, whether that be on your website or at an exhibition or, or yeah. wherever you place it? Yeah, well, normally our games are all kind of online-based games, so they're hosted online somewhere. You can link to them from, from your website, uh, from your newsletters, from your social channels. So again, it, goes, it comes back down to what you want the game to achieve. Do you want it to create more followers you know do you want more people to sign up to your newsletter in which case you want to spread it out a little bit further than your normal mailing list so you definitely want to have that social sharing capacity so that you can share it on LinkedIn and Twitter and Facebook and try and get a little bit more more traction with it um, if it's something that is for staff engagement for example well then it's very easily sit on an intranet or in an app or something like that that's just goes out to a closed group of people 
or like you mentioned, you know, trade shows, that they work brilliantly in trade shows because you, you get a lot of paper at trade shows, lots of kind of little giveaways. And quite often you get big physical games as well. I don't know if you've been to a trade show and you get those wind machines yeah, and you have, you have to have catch to stuff. interact with things. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And those, those are great. And where branded games work in a trade show as well is that they capture data too. So yeah. you can play the game and then to enter a competition, you enter your details in and then that acts then as, as you kind of, you lead gen as well. Yeah. If someone was clicking on a Google ad or maybe a, a LinkedIn ad or another social ad and maybe, um, I don't know, for, for a new sweater or, or something, for example, and they click on an ad and then it takes it to a homepage that has a game on it, does that increase their likelihood of converting or increase brand recognition or it, can it could it be a distraction for yeah, some people? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting question. I think in that particular instance, so if somebody is already searching for a sweater or something and then it takes them to a product page, you probably don't want to distract them from purchasing with a game at that point because the intent is there to buy a jumper. Yeah. So I think where games work best is as part of a, a wider campaign. So um, more at the top of the funnel, really, so that it's more about the brand and more about engaging with a particular campaign rather than at the point of purchase. Yeah, yeah that makes complete sense. Moving on from, from the game element itself and when you come to market the game, I'm assuming that while a game does the most of the work, you still have to sort of promote it as, as much as you can. So what are some of the best ways that you've seen brands do that? Maybe? Yeah, definitely. And it's something that we, we talk to our clients about all the time as well. You know, you've got to keep on plugging away at it. You can't just pop a post on social once and then that's it you know you've got to keep on talking about it so that you've got this consistency of message as well um, I think what's what's always fun is if you add a little bit of competition to it as well so um, one of our clients ran a game for nourishment um, and they had a footballer and he put a score on and then they challenged their followers to kind of beat his score as well. I think it was Daniel Sturridge. My football knowledge isn't great. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds um, like it could be right. Though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, in having having um, another secondary motivation to come yeah. back and play the game and having little challenges like that uh, um, are a real fun way to kind of get everybody involved and wanting to come back and play it again. And then you've just sort of touched on on like the, the motivational side of things. So are there any in-game rules that you should add or follow, such as high scoring or just participation or something like that? Uh, yeah, um, uh, we understand this question, but lots lots of people want to want to give the prize away to the top scorer, which is understandable because obviously you want to kind of reward the best players. The, difficulty with that especially if it's an online game is that it can make people feel like they're never going to win anything because oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not as good as that guy so there's no point in me trying which is which is the opposite effect to what you want to have when you're having a game because yeah. with a game it's about making people have those good feelings and then having those kind of having those uh, good brand feels that will make them associate that kind of you know um, playing and, and, and good times with your brand. 
Um, so it's that association. So if you're putting something that might make people feel, oh, that's sad. I'm never going to be able to do that. Well, then that's a bad thing to start off with. But also with them being online, you're kind of opening yourself up to to cheats as well, who can kind of hack this because people do this. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good prize people, as yeah, well. Yeah, and people do that. You know, people have a lot of time on their hands, and, and they will do that. And one way to kind of combat that is to make it a free prize draw. It makes it fairer for the people who aren't as good as um, at playing, but also, you know, it's then it just becomes a much fairer system yeah that's a slightly different situation if you're in a trade show for example so when we go to a trade show ourselves we um we have a free prize draw to win something but then we also have like try and beat the top score yeah. because it's it's much more fun in a in a trade show environment yeah. and then you get people coming back and going oh somebody's beating my score i need to come back and do it again yeah so in that instance it works really well yeah of course so yeah we're just going to touch on peak and pokes marketing um just for a few minutes to finish off this main section I'm really interested because I imagine that a lot of marketers get excited about your product because it's something they won't have come across before, but at the same time, I'd expect that they might have a, a bit of a hesitance to try something new. Um, it's, it's quite an investment to, to put a game on your side. Um, so what tactics do you use to, to draw people in the, to having a conversation about gamification and branded gaming? We do let the games do the talking, to be honest, because it's it's a fun thing, and that's what we tell our clients to do. You know, get get your games, get the engagement. So that's what we tend to do as well. We've started taking our games to exhibitions quite a lot, um, and that's something that we that we did a couple of years ago, and it's just worked really well for us. One of our main challenges is getting people to know that this is actually a thing that you can do. People obviously appreciate that, yes, you can have a branded game for a brand, but they think that it's going to be cost prohibitive for them um, uh, because it's seen something that, you know, just the big brands do, that yeah. they can invest a lot of money into it. But actually, with this white label side of stuff, it means that the, the, the costs come right down and it's a much more cost-effective way to do it. And you've, you've sort of touched on price a little bit, but are there any misconceptions that people might have when you're speaking to them about branded games? Yeah, totally. So price is, is one of the big ones. Last year, we developed um, Picnic. We launched a secondary product called Picnic, where we had we had lots of people coming to us for, for Christmas games as Peek and Poke. And they were really invested in the idea. And then when we said the price, which peak and poke, when you're wanting to start to recolor things, you're looking at about two and a half to three thousand pounds. That's the entry point. And that was putting people off. So we thought, well, okay, well, some people off. Yeah. So we thought, how can we kind of expand that a little bit more? So we developed Picnic, which is literally off the shelf. So you get a game for 30 days ready to go with your campaign, change the copy change the logo that's it so the game relatively is unchanged and that is starts at 850 pounds so it it takes the risk out of it and yeah. of just trying it at least yeah. and then what we tend to see happen is people start with a picnic game and then they really see the benefits of it people you know their audience are really engaging with it they get what they need out of it and then they start spending a little bit more yeah of course a nice way to finish off this section because um, we've been talking for, for probably over 20 minutes now. Sorry. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> um, is of all the games that you offer, which is your favourite and why? Oh, 
I love the conga game. Um, I think because I am a kid of the 80s and I just remember the Nokia Snake when I was, was growing up. I just used to play that all the time and that is essentially what the conga is based yeah. on and especially now that we've got a trade show version of it. So it's set in a trade show and people are going around all the little stalls and it's super cute. It's definitely my favourite. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're going to leave that main section off right here and I'm just going to move on to career questions just for the last few minutes. So we're just going to finish off as normal with career advice and just a sort of a reflection. So first of all, it's really interesting with Peak and Perk because while the team behind Peak and Perk have been together for, for for a long time now, the brand name itself was only launched last year, if if I'm right. That's right, yeah. Um, so as a marketer, how did you find that experience starting from scratch? Um, do you know what? It was a really big decision. So we we were Team Cooper and. Um, and Team Cooper started, you know, over ten years ago, um, and they were based in in flash games. So they used to make bespoke flash games, um, and it just felt like the right time. Now that we've moved into more of this kind of white label gaming service, it felt like it was the right time to think again about what we stood for, what our values were and uh, how that should be presented. So I actually really, really enjoyed that process of getting to the heart of what we do, who our audience are, um, and, and how we should present that. It was, it was a challenge, as all of these things are. It's very kind of introspective, and there's a lot of navel-gazing to it, but I think you get that right, everything else is much easier. Yeah, and then you can sort of reflect on on um, your previous name and see how things worked and what they did and then take the good stuff and maybe leave stuff that wasn't working quite well yeah, behind. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it just felt like it was it was the right time to, to present a, a different name and a different face to the company. Um, we're just going to ask one more question, keep this section quite short. What is one thing that you've learned maybe during that transition or just in your marketing career in general that you might think might help other business owners or, or marketers? I love this question because I think I've been in, in my, I used to work for an agency um, and then I uh, joined uh, Team Cooper then um, three years ago now. So I've, I've been in this quite a long time. <laughs> and one of the biggest things that I think I've learned is actually don't be afraid of failure because actually that's, that's where we learn from making mistakes. I think I always used to I always used to think that things had to be perfect before you kind of put them out in the world, but actually, if you wait for something to be perfect or refine it and refine it, it just never happens. It's better to do something than to do nothing. Um, and that's one of the benefits that we have now with digital marketing. You know, it's like we can put it up and we can learn from it, we can measure the response to it and we can refine it. And it's just that those lean principles, if you like, which which were um, uh, which I like to, to think about as, as, as a good way to move forward. I hope you've all really enjoyed the episode. I hope you've sort of learned a lot more about branded games and how they can work, how to get started and, and a bit more about what they can do for your business. I'm sure if you have any extra questions or you want to find out a little bit more, then um, the guys at Peak and Perk will definitely help you out. So thank you for being a great guest, Carrie. Thank you for having me. Go check out their games. I'm sure you'll you'll enjoy them. <laughs>